0: I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Michigan voters have a lot on their minds as we hurtle toward the 2020 election. The Detroit Regional Chamber wanted to know what those issues were and which were rising to the top for Michiganders who plan to cast ballots this year. Today, they released the results of their statewide voter survey. And joining us now to talk about what's in that survey is Brad Williams. He is the VP of Government Relations for the Detroit Regional Chamber. Brad, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, Stephen.
1: Thank yeah. you for having me.
0: Absolutely. It's great to have you here. Let's start with why you decided to do this survey.
1: Great. Yeah, great question to start out. You know, so we are what, a week away from um uh, voters in Iowa casting the first ballot uh, in this presidential contest and then New Hampshire comes after that and then we we get into a pretty compressed schedule uh, and uh, there are plenty of uh, people who are asking the question who you're going to vote for uh, but there's not a lot of people who are asking the question why are you going to vote for those people and uh, we know that um, people are uh, particularly Democrats are concerned about electability mm-hmm. uh, and Michigan is a primary state where that electability question, uh, is of top concern and so uh, we want to know what is on the mind of Michigan voters these these horse race polls are are, are, are interesting mm-hmm. uh, you know certainly to political junkies uh, like you and I but uh, they're not particularly helpful uh, to policymakers to help them determine what what um, Issues they should be pursuing uh, in these coming years. So uh, this is the second time uh, we've done a poll like this, uh, and we intend to continue doing this uh, to help policymakers uh, decide what issues uh, they should be focused on uh, when they're when they're doing their jobs in Lansing and Washington D.C.
0: Yeah. So in the in the survey, one of the questions, the the sort of top question, I guess, is. An open-ended one. What is the most important issue facing Michigan right now? And there were four responses that rose to the top. Let's talk about what those were.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it's a a surprise to... Uh, most people that in Michigan roads and bridges are top of is mind. It's number one. Right? Uh, what, what does surprise me though a little bit is this is typically, uh, you know, in January, uh, you know, you might not see this. Typically in March, uh, as we see the thaw, is when roads and bridges start to uh, rise to the top. Uh, but in January, the fact that this is so far and away, you know, 29 uh, and a half percent of people said this is the, the top issue is, is, is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is Michigan. Uh, so jobs and economy is always going to be right up there. 18% of Michiganders uh, said the jobs and economy. Uh, And then uh, education and education funding, uh, of course, uh, is always uh, top of mind uh, uh, for Michiganders. Uh, And then uh, something that's, uh, you know, I think moved up uh, in the last uh, several years here in Michigan uh, is water uh, and sewer uh, infrastructure. Uh, whether uh, that's because of Flint uh, or PFAS. Uh, of course uh, we have uh, the Line Five uh, debate going on uh, in Michigan. Uh, so uh, I don't think any of these are, are big surprises, uh, but uh, those are those are the top four issues that uh, Michiganders have uh, top of mind uh, right now.
0: I think one of the things that may be surprising is the spread between those issues in terms of. How many people said roads and bridges versus jobs in the economy? You would think that those might be close in terms of percentage, but but 29.5% people say roads and bridges. Only 18% say jobs in the economy. That really does speak, I think, not just to how bad the roads are, but also to the attention that has been brought to that. I mean, you have a governor now who campaigned almost solely on that issue. It dominated her first year in office, this, the the back and forth between her and the legislature over how to deal with this. It's it's more on people's minds, I think, in some ways, because we have been trying to come up with a solution.
1: Well, I think with, with government, particularly state government, it is the, uh, the thing that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, right? Uh, most of us drive. Uh, every day, and so we feel it um, every time we pull out the driveway. Uh, that and, and schools, I would say, are the the, the two things that state government do uh, that we as citizens feel the most acutely uh, whether the state is doing its job well uh, or not. Uh, and so I guess uh, it makes sense uh, on a certain level. But you're right; uh, it has been uh, such a widely debated topic. You know, not just in the last year. I mean, I think for the last four or five years, uh, going back to the second term of Governor Snyder. We've been talking about this. I, I feel like I've been talking about this uh, <laughs> uh, for a long time. I said to someone the other day, I want to get this solved just so I can stop talking stop about Stop
0: talking it. about uh, the roads, right.
1: But but, but I, I guess I'm well trained at it now, so I might as well keep going for a while. <laughs>
0: right, right. Right. Um, Uh, The other part of this that I thought was really interesting when I was reading through it last night is you said when asked if Michigan government has enough money to fix the roads or if the state needs to raise more money, there was a really surprising result. And it's a very frustrating result, I think, if you're somebody who's paid attention to this issue.
1: Yeah, you're not you're you're, you're not kidding, uh, especially to me. I mean, I think voters have said uh, uh, pretty loudly and clearly uh, in this poll that they think uh, that state government has enough money uh, to fix the roads right now. Uh, I think you and I, uh, as people who pay attention to this pretty closely, know that that's not true. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking for the numbers right now. They say fifty uh, three point three people percent of uh, voters right now think that state government uh, has enough money Uh, and I think that um, uh, that tells you something uh, right now Um, and as I was thinking about this uh, as I saw the results come in it it reminds me uh, of something that uh, you know as as a listener of your show, I know you get the question a lot. Uh, what happened to uh, the lottery money for right. schools? <laughs> right, right. You you get that question all I the do. time, uh, and, and I hear it a lot too. Uh, and I think you know this this tells you something. You know, to 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 draw the draw the comparison, you know the lottery. This this happened, I think, before I was born. But the promise was made uh, that the lottery money would go to schools, and it does. It raises about a billion dollars a year. Uh, what it doesn't what that doesn't tell you though is that the school budget is approximately thirteen billion dollars a year. Uh, and so with this road question. Uh, every year, I think we see a press release come out of the Capitol uh, from both sides that says, we, we spent $200 million uh, this year, uh, $200 million more this year, a record funding on roads, uh, and $200 million in, in, in any situation uh, is a lot of money. Uh, but what they're not telling you is $200 million in this particular situation is not even close to enough. No. Uh, and this is a $2 billion problem every single year. Uh, And so, uh, you know, for your average voter, it's easy, I guess, to understand their cynicism, uh, because they're going about their life, uh, you know, going to work, uh, trying to get their uh, kids to and from school into their activities. Uh, And so they're they're not, uh, they're not, you know, Paying attention to line items and appropriations bills, like I am uh, as a profession, and so they hear two hundred million, like, oh, well, that should fix the problem. But two hundred million—that is a lot of money, (laughs) but that does not fix the problem. This is a this is a uh, a multi-billion, multi-decade problem that needs to be fixed.
0: So, one of the things that I think is most frustrating about that is the way in which government and the way that they've handled this issue, I think, plays into that cynicism. And not intentionally, obviously, but the way in which we've spent money in the state, the way in which we've asked for more money to spend for roads, and, of course, the condition that the roads are in and, and the deteriorating condition, it all kind of conspires to, to, in people's minds, say, there's just waste. They're not doing the right things with this. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the efficiency of the spend.
1: Right. And I think, uh, you know, if if folks went over to the Department of Transportation, they would see that uh, this money is being spent uh, quite efficiently, uh, by and large, uh, that the dollars are being stretched. You know, some of the thing that feeds into this cynicism, too, is because we don't have enough money to spend, uh, people are seeing orange barrels go up, uh, and we're putting maybe two inches of asphalt over a road that needs maybe a, a, a more serious uh, repair, but we we can afford two inches of asphalt. Mm-hmm. And so that asphalt's going up, and people are assuming that the road is being fixed. <laughs> and really, we're just putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, you're putting the two inches of asphalt, and, and, and the next year, potholes are coming back up. And it's because we're not able to afford... The proper fix, yeah. uh, you know, if we had the appropriate amount of funding and we could do the proper fix, uh, we, we we'd have a much better uh, situation. But we're just putting band-aids uh, on a much much more serious problem.
0: Hmm. My guest is Brad Williams. He's the VP of Government Relations for the Detroit Regional Chamber. We are talking about the Chamber statewide voter survey and the policy conference coming up this Wednesday, uh, the Detroit Policy Conference, where a lot of these issues are going to be on display on the stage and discussions and panels uh if you want to join the conversation give us a call tell us what issues matter most to you in this election what is the issue that's most likely to decide the person who will get your vote in the michigan primary in just a few months or in the general election in the fall how do these issues affect your choices for president for congress state rep or other local seats Give us a call and let us know. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Um, before we get to listeners, Brad, I want to talk about another, uh, another issue that came up in the survey. By a margin of 74% to 22 Michigan voters support providing debt-free community college tuition to any Michigan adult who's re-entering the workforce or needs to get retrained because their job has been eliminated. Additionally, 56% of Michigan voters strongly support free community college tuition. I am not surprised that a majority, I guess, support that. But three quarters—that's a lot. I mean, that's a that's a very overwhelming percentage in any survey.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, at the chamber, we have had uh, some experience uh, in this space. Uh, We have been the home of what used to be called the Detroit Compact and now is called the Detroit Promise uh, for uh, well over two decades uh, that provides a tuition-free path to community college and even a uh, four-year college scholarship uh, for uh, any Detroit uh, student who graduates from high school. Um, And... We know from talking to our members in the business community that uh, attracting and retaining talent uh, is one of the biggest challenges uh, for businesses expanding and growing in our market. Uh, And that is uh, true for businesses not just in the Detroit region but throughout the state. And so uh, growing our talent pool uh, in Michigan is going to be critical to our economic growth. And that includes – upskilling uh, adults who do not have uh, currently uh, a a college degree or a community college degree. And so this is a model that has worked very successfully in other states. Tennessee has been a real leader here. Uh, The Tennessee Promise, they passed it uh, as proposed by a Republican governor, passed by a Republican legislature. Uh, And it actually is is less expensive, I think, than uh, a lot of people uh, uh, expect. Uh, Governor Whitmer proposed this in her last budget. Uh, The ReConnect program, which is the adult program, uh, is sponsored by Senator Ken Horn, who's a Republican uh, from the Saginaw area. And so I think this is something that uh, obviously uh, voters uh, from across the ideological spectrum uh, have gotten behind and we think uh, will be uh, a real uh, bonus uh, for Michigan as we go and try and sell ourselves uh, to companies looking to either grow, who are currently here and looking to grow, or or looking to relocate uh, into Michigan. Yeah.
0: Well, that talent gap that we are struggling with is something that we've been talking about now for almost 10 years uh, in the state as a policy imperative, and we're moving in the right direction, I guess. But it seems really slow. I, I, I feel like it's still a huge a huge issue, and that other states are kind of lapping us uh, in the way that they're dealing
1: with. Yeah, if you look at the most uh, economically successful states uh, in the country, uh, states like Massachusetts, uh, they have uh, a high level of uh, their citizens and their residents with a college degree. Uh, Governor Whitmer uh, followed uh, a goal that the chamber had set for the Detroit region of having 60% of our uh, residents with a college degree by 2030. Governor Whitmer set that as the uh, rate or the goal for the state: uh, 60% by 2030. Uh, we're somewhere in stuck in the 40s right now, so we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, so uh, this will uh, help us get that way, uh, get moving in that direction. Uh, it's going to take. Uh, more kids coming out of high school going to college, but also uh, more adults uh, going back to school uh, and getting that associate's degree, getting that bachelor's degree, uh, increasing their skills, and that increases earning power. We know that uh, that's that's evidence based.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that will make some of these other conversations we have about opportunity, about jobs, about our economy, a lot easier.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Brad Williams, VP of Government Relations for the Detroit Regional Chamber, about the Chamber's statewide voter survey. And we are going to get to your calls. Adam in Macomb, Ed in Ferndale, Daniel in Detroit, Tom in Northwest Detroit will get to you as well. If you want to join them, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. My guest is Brad Williams. He is the VP of Government Relations for the Detroit Regional Chamber, and we are talking about the Detroit Regional Chamber statewide voter survey and the policy conference coming up this Wednesday, the Detroit Policy Conference uh, that the Chamber holds each year. We're talking about the things that Michigan voters say are going to motivate them when they go to the polls. First, in March, when we have the presidential primary. Primary that's taking place here in Michigan and a couple of other uh, issues will also be on that ballot. But then, of course, later in the year, August and then November, when we vote for president and Congress and lots of other uh, offices. As always, we want to hear from you. What do you think are the issues that are going to motivate you when you go to the polls? Uh, what are the things that will influence your choices for president or Congress or state rep as always the number on the phones is 313-577-1019 that's 313-577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. We're going to continue this conversation with Brad, but when we're done with that, we are also going to hear from Melissa Osborne, who is the latest accuser of State Senator Pete Lucido in Lansing. We're going to hear what she says he did, uh, why she's coming forward now, and what the culture is like in Lansing for women who work there. Uh, again, right now, though, we want to talk about the issues that are going to motivate you in the polls. Uh, and we're going to go to the listeners. Let's start with Ed in Ferndale. Ed, what's on your mind?
2: Hi, guys. How mm-hmm. are you?
0: Yep. Good. How are you?
2: Good. Thanks. Okay. Uh, two quick things. First of all, um, I am, a lot of my vote has already been decided because when the Republicans allowed President Trump to be elected, I decided right then and there I was never voting Republican again in anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm already decided on that end. But I'd like to come back to the road funding issue real quick. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, and I didn't hear either one of you mention this, that there are two big impediments to proper road funding. And the first one, as I understand it, and Mr. Williams, you can correct me if I'm wrong, our road funding formula has been basically unchanged since 1951, and it's actually embedded in the state constitution and couldn't really be changed unless it were done by a vote of the people. Mm. Am I correct on that? You're close. Um, yeah, you're, you're half. You're half correct.
1: Um, the 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 main tenets of our road funding formula have not been changed uh, since since the 1950s. That is correct. Uh, it is not uh, embedded in the state constitution. What is embedded in the state constitution is that uh, all uh, money raised from gasoline taxes and registration fees have to go through that formula. So so you're correct there. Uh, but the road fund funding formula, which is in Act 51 of 1951 uh, ha- the 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 main tenets of that have been uh, have been in place since 1951. Uh, there are uh, many people uh, who think that is uh, ripe for a uh, major revision. Uh, as with everything, uh, the politics of that are very complicated because it has uh, uh, the 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 formula has uh, significant benefits for some parts of the state, uh, and it is a, to a significant detriment to other parts of the state. Um, if I could wave a magic wand and rewrite the formula, that would be uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, I don't have that wand, uh, and I think uh, there's about 148 members of the legislature who would love to have uh, that same magic wand. Yeah,
0: and and Ed, you said that there was a second issue.
2: Yeah, that you I'll wanted make to it raise. real quick. Go ahead. This second one, I actually remember because I was 13 years old when this passed the Headley Amendment in nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong again, that's still on the books and it limits how much state fund state government can fund anything, right? And I'll I'll hang up and thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah,
0: no, Ed, I, I, I really appreciate the call and I love how much you know about State policy and and the legislation. Uh, talk about the Headley Amendment, Brad, and what it does and how it plays into this road conversation.
1: Yes, that does warm my heart. The fact that we got a Headley <laughs> Amendment question. That's right. So the, yeah, the the Headley Amendment was passed in 1978. I was uh, I was one. Uh, when it passed. Uh, But it it does limit the uh, total amount of taxation. It it does a number of things. But for for the purposes of this conversation, it limits the total amount of taxation uh, that the state can levy. uh, And um, we're we're significantly uh, below that uh, right now. Uh, Michigan, uh, you know, at one point was a relatively high tax state. Uh, That was part of the impetus uh, behind the backers of the Headley Amendment uh, to uh, limit the growth in taxation uh, 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 for Michigan state government uh, since that time uh, Michigan uh, Michigan's overall tax burden has uh, uh, dropped uh, pretty considerably uh, if if uh, if you look at our overall tax structure, uh, there are some places uh, where our tax uh, burden is is fairly low. There are others where we're middle of the pack, uh, some places where we're relatively high. I would say uh, if you look at our overall tax burden, we're probably uh, somewhere about uh, slightly below average uh, as, as an overall tax burden. Uh, but we are below uh, what would be allowed under the Headley Amendment right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other way to look at that also, though, is in terms of how that funding form, how that that uh, the Headley Amendment and the other things that structure finance here in Michigan provide money for government, and if you talk to local governments in particular, because of the recession, this massive loss in the value of properties and Headley's limit on how much you can recover through taxes uh, of that of that value. I mean, it's not just a question of what the tax burden is, but how much. Money it provides, how much money taxes provide for local government to provide those services, and that's where I feel like Headley has really got us in a pinch right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's that. That is a fair debate to have. Um, you know, Michigan. If you look at, I mean, we could we could nerd out on this for a long time, Stephen. But I <laughs> <We> think <could. laughs> if you look at uh, uh, Michigan's uh, ability to tax and the restrictions we place on uh, Michigan's tax structure, I mean, I think. Um, you know, if you go to other states, you know, Illinois, for example, and I don't know that Illinois is the best example of fiscal prudence, but <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Illinois has the ability for local units of government to issue sales tax, which we don't have in Michigan. Um, you know, they, the local units of government in other states, most other states, have different. Uh, opportunities, different mechanisms uh, with which they can levy tax. Uh, in Michigan, we rely pretty uh, heavily on uh, property taxes uh, as the mechanism by which local units of government um, can tax their, their citizens and, and fund local units of government. We can have a debate whether or not that is uh, the right way to fund local units of government, but in other states, uh, they have uh, more flexibility at the local level. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, Ed, thanks very much for the questions and all of the insights into policy and legislation here in Michigan. Let's go to Deborah in St. Clair Shores. Deborah, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, go Mm -hmm. ahead. Um, I'm just so interested in this topic. I'm actually from Toronto, and I was curious um, as to whether there are studies or research into um the roads uh being improved versus uh like a mass transport system and how uh community development intersects hmm. with uh investing in roads versus hmm. mass transportation
0: yeah deborah great question thanks very much for the call brad i'll let you that one. And you have the best
1: listeners today. They are touching <laughs> everything that I love. They're so We are bunch. actually we are actually in the midst of a transit conversation uh right here uh, in the Detroit region right now and that's not something that uh came up in this poll because this is a statewide poll. Uh but we're having that conversation uh right now uh as we speak uh, in the legislature. You know, we've been uh, debating this uh, for, for decades, uh, whether we want to invest in a regional transit system. Uh, and I think the two go hand in hand. Uh, the regions that can efficiently move people and goods uh, are going to be the regions that are the most economic economically competitive, uh, both now uh, and in 2030. Uh, and uh, we uh, have to uh, be cognizant of that as we're making these decisions. Uh, and that not only includes uh, investing in our surface transportation and our roads, but that includes uh, investing in transit. That includes uh, investing in our underground infrastructure, in our airports, and our seaports. Um, and so, you know, as we are moving forward uh, and having this conversation about regional transit that we're going to uh, touch on at this Detroit policy conference that we referenced earlier, Stephen, um we need to uh, we need to think about this, uh, and uh, regional transit is going to be a huge part of this.
0: Yeah. Before we break, let's talk more about the Detroit Policy Conference, mm-hmm. which takes place on Wednesday uh, this week. Uh, talk about how these issues and this voter survey will play into some of the things. We'll see on stage.
1: Yeah, well, this is the the ninth year that we've done. Uh, is it really? The ninth year oh, that we've goodness. done this Detroit Policy <laughs> Conference. And I think, you know, for your listeners that are uh, familiar with the chamber, they know uh, about the Mackinac Policy Conference uh, that happens in the spring uh, on Mackinac Island. And we made the decision that uh, that has uh, evolved is to a very much a statewide event uh, and we needed to have an event that very much focused on the region uh, and uh, what is happening in the city. And so for nine years, we've been doing this and you've been a participant uh, many years uh, in this. So we've been doing this for nine years. Uh, and, you know, the timing of this survey uh, is not accidental. Um, you know, this is happening you know, right before uh, the state of the state, which is going to happen uh, uh, on Wednesday, uh, as well as the Detroit policy conference, and so we wanted to make sure that uh, these issues were front and center uh, and could uh, inform the conversations that are going to happen uh, at Motor City Casino at the Detroit policy conference, mm-hmm. uh, but also the conversation uh, leading up to and following the state of the state. Uh, so, so the timing is not accidental.
0: Yeah. Okay, Brad Williams, VP of Government Relations for detroit regional chamber thanks for coming by and nerding out with me about this stuff. thank you i'd love to do it again (laughs) we're gonna have you back soon right all right up next we're gonna hear from cranes detroit business senior editor chad livengood and the woman who is now the third person to come out with sexual harassment claims against state senator pete lucido stay with us on detroit today